The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all things real estate investing and we have a very exciting show today for those of you who would love to invest in rental real estate but completely hate the idea of taking on big mortgage debts we're going to talk about how you can own rentals with absolutely no debt how about that cool right Before we go to our topic, I want to remind listeners that the 2011 National New Market Real Estate Strategy Summit is coming up on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th in Columbus, Ohio. I'm getting tons of emails from folks saying, I'd really love to come to that, but I live in Missouri, and I don't know if I would benefit from an Ohio investment conference. Not an Ohio investment conference, ladies and gentlemen. It's an investment conference about the strategies that are working in today's market all over the United States. Our experts are from all over the U.S. Our attendees are from all over the U.S. And you need to go ahead and get registered. You can do that by going to wmkvfm.org. Scroll about halfway down the page and you'll see the information about the New Market Strategies Summit. Your uh, pledge in that case will not only get you into the summit, it'll also support public radio here on WMKV. So it's a win, win, win. You'll get to spend three or four days working on your business instead of in your business, get some great education and networking and support public radio. (laughs) Like no better offer than that in the entire world. My guest today is Sean McCluskey, who is one of the featured speakers at the upcoming National New Market Strategy Summit. He is a an investor who has closed over 200 deals using all sorts of methods, including short sales and wraparound mortgages and owner financing. And he's done all sorts of things with them. He's rehabbed them, wholesaled them, and held them for rental. But his passion is debt-free investing where you can own rental properties without having to make that giant monthly mortgage payment and without, of course, all the stress of how am I going to make that giant monthly mortgage payment when my house is vacant. Joining us from his home in St. Louis is Sean McCluskey. Sean, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm glad to have you on board today because uh, I think this is a super important topic. Um, You and I have both seen very large investment companies crash and burn in the last three or four years. Just a couple. <laughs> thanks to, <laughs> thanks to uh, yeah, basically the amount of outstanding debt. I mean, I've, I, I, know, uh, I know a number of people to whom this has happened, and the thing they all had in common was they all owed big amounts of money to banks. I've yet to see one investor 
who had a portfolio of paid off properties lose them ever amazing how that works isn't it yeah <laughs> you have, I've, i have yet to meet one person that has met a debt-free real estate investor going under so <laughs> you're exactly right it's really hard to do if you're debt-free so. <laughs> exactly Absolutely. and it's and, and, and it's hard to own a property that doesn't cash flow when there's no mortgage payment i mean there's all there's all <laughs> sorts of there's all sorts of interesting things about debt-free investing but uh uh, before we, we before we jump into the strategies for for owning debt free rental properties, uh, I, I want to I, I think we need to spend some time just overcoming something that has been out there for as long as I have been in real estate. In fact, I grew up in a real estate family, and I remember hearing this when I was five years old okay. that leverage is good. There, there's such okay. a there's such a thing as good debt and and a deal is a good deal when you put no money down and finance the entire amount because then you didn't put your money into it and that's that's somehow a win. Uh, sure. y- you don't you don't agree with that, and Correct. I think we should talk about why. Well, let me clarify something. It depends on what your primary goal in life is. If your primary goal in life is only money then that makes a whole lot of sense to use leverage. But if your goal in life is life, then in my opinion, using leverage and debt uh, certainly restricts the amount of thing that, the the amount of the very thing that we got into this business for in the first place, which is freedom. And all the time when I speak or when I meet uh, real estate investors all over the country and I ask them, why did you get into business for yourself? The number one answer that I get is I wanted freedom to do what I want, when I want to do it. and, And uh, they wanted freedom from whatever job they had or freedom from whatever it is they're experiencing. They want freedom. And what I found is is that debt is usually the one thing that can certainly take away from the very freedom that they got into business to experience in the first place. And so, so I started to kind of tackle some of this and say, wait a second, is it possible to run your real estate business without debt in the first place, or is it just one of these things that's, that's going to be inevitable? I, mean, I know so many real estate investors who got into business and wanted to buy rental properties or even just uh, flip properties, and pretty soon the debt started determining where they were going to invest. The debt started determining how much they were going to invest, how many deals they were going to do on a regular basis. And rather than having the debt determine those questions for us, I'd rather consciously think that through on my own and decide on my own. And as a result of sitting here and asking the question, is it possible to run a real estate business without debt? You know, at first the answer was no, because I didn't know anybody who was doing that. Matter of fact, that goes against the grain of what pretty much everyone else out there teaches. And uh, I mean, I remember one of the first books that I got when I started investing that really resonated with me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, in that, it talked about the difference between good debt and bad debt. Good debt obviously being debt to buy assets and bad debt being debt to buy stuff, you know, toys, cars. Uh, the house that you're going to live in, stuff like that. And I, I really subscribed to that for a long time, and I don't anymore because I've seen what that same debt has done to so many investors uh, over the past, oh, I guess now almost 10 years that I've been investing. And so when I started to ask the question, is it possible to do the same thing without debt? Of course, the answer in the beginning was no, since I didn't know anybody who was doing it. But when I made the decision in January of 2009 that I would never, ever borrow another dollar again, all of a sudden, many ideas started to sort of flow into my brain that normally would not have come there because I made the decision not to borrow. 
So <laughs> that's kind of a long answer to a little bit of your question here. Hopefully I actually answered the question, but the fact of the matter is it's possible. Most people don't think it is possible, but it is totally possible, and life is a whole lot easier when you don't have to subscribe to answering to the lender every single month. Mm-hmm. So now if you uh, if you have a rental property and it goes vacant one month, there's no payments to make. So you're not freaking out trying to get the first person with a pulse in there to make a payment the next month. Now you hold out and you really get the right person in there. And uh, you can only do that when you're debt free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, servicing mortgage debts on properties, and it doesn't matter whether you got that mortgage from a bank or whether you assumed it from somebody else or whether it's a private lender or whatever, uh, is the kind of thing that, that has us you know, painting apartments by torchlight at 2 a.m. trying to get them filled before before the next month's payment is due. And that, that, that certainly, I think, is no one's definition of freedom. And right. uh, I, I want to I clarify that, that what we're going to talk about today is not having so much cash that you can just, you know, go buy houses free and clear and not buying houses that are so cheap that you can put them, you know, you could you could take take money out of your savings account and buy them. We're talking right. about sort of sort of a different paradigm than uh, most of us are used to. Uh, we need to take a quick break before we dive into that. I want to invite listeners to give us a call at 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. If you're listening to us on the web, call 877-772-9648. That's toll-free from anywhere in the United States. Or you can go to askvina.com and send us a question through the response form on that website. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Sean McCluskey, and we're talking about debt-free investing in assets and in in real estate and rental properties and how you can make that a reality in your life. Now, Sean, I understand that when you sort of embarked on all of this, that Mm -hmm. you had quite a bit of debt on your rental properties and that your, your, your initial goal was just to, to stop doing that and undo it <laughs> can you can you right. can you talk a little bit about that well yeah i start i sort of stumbled stumbled into educating other investors on how to invest uh about four and a half years ago or so and one of the challenges was that at the time i was flipping a lot of properties i had a handful of rentals but i was flipping a lot of properties and um all of the properties that i was buying and renovating and selling some of my bought and renovated and sold some of my bought and just sold but every single one that I was buying at the time um, that I had to hold for any amount of time, I had to go get debt to purchase the property. So the minute I went out and, and signed on the dotted line saying that I would pay back this loan, the payments immediately started and the clock was ticking. And so that's fine and dandy if you got one going on or two going on. But at some points I had 10 or 15 maybe renovation properties going on at a time or uh, you know, I, I made a, a sort of a name for myself in St. Louis as the short sale guy. So I was doing lots of short sales as well and renovations and had lots of stuff going on. So when you start adding up the payments of 10 or 15 properties that you owe money on that are going through the renovation process, uh, and you have to make 10 or 15 payments per month until those houses sell, what I found was I would sell a house and I'd make this huge amount of profit on one property and that profit would basically cover the payments 
on all the other 14 deals that I had in the works right now for maybe the next month or two until another one sold or another one was finished. And so, you know, at the time, and the only thing I'll correct you on so far is I've actually done more than 300 deals, not 200. <laughs> but, and I say that because in the course of doing those 300 deals, I was doing the same thing over and over and over again where I had this animal that was getting so big it had to be fed every month. In other words, I had many deals going on at once, and I was doing 50, 60, or, or one year I did like 72 deals, but I had to do 70 deals to keep feeding this monster that I had created. So every time I did a deal, it would feed some of the uh, some of the debt servicing on some of the other deals. And although money was always flowing and I was making really good money at the time, it was also going out the door pretty fast too. So I got to the point in my business where uh, everybody here locally was looking at me as like the guy. Everybody wanted to model their business after me. But what they didn't know is that my debt service was somewhere to the tune of about $34,000 every single month. So that meant I had to make $34,000 this month before I got to keep a dollar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, although I was making more than that at the time, it was certainly a challenge to do that consistently every single month. So as I had people coming to me and saying, hey, you know, uh, Sean, teach me how to be a millionaire. I kept hearing that over and over and over again. And I thought, wait a second, you know, is it what I make more than a million dollars a year, but I don't get to keep all of it. So does that really mean I'm a millionaire here or what's going on? (laughs) I mean, I certainly didn't feel like one and I certainly wasn't free like I thought that a, a quote millionaire should be. And so I started to really investigate this and I thought, you know, who else do I know that has a, a business that appears to be doing really well? And the more I started asking other people, the more I found they were having the same struggles that I was having. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, most of the biggest investors in my area here all felt just as not free as I felt. And I thought, wait a second, there has got to be a better way. So that's when I started saying, maybe maybe some of the debt service here that I've been handling, maybe maybe doing more isn't always better. Maybe doing it a little bit smarter and maybe with less leverage. Maybe that would be a whole lot easier. So I started making some massive changes. I started, first of all, I made the decision never to borrow a dollar again. I started eliminating. I've, I have eliminated almost a million dollars worth of debt in the past two and a half years. And as a result, my expenses are next to nothing now. And now when I make a paycheck, I get to keep the majority of it <laughs> or blow it on whatever I want to blow it on. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that's sort of where it came about. All right. Well, let's stop keeping these folks in suspense and talk okay. about what the alternative is. If, it, if, it's not, if it's not leveraging property so that you can buy them and fix them, what do you do? Well, let me start by telling you a quick little story. This is a story a buddy of mine, Steve, shared with me some time back, and it really resonated with me pretty hard. He said, Sean, he says, I went on vacation one time. He says, me and, uh, me and three friends of mine, we go on vacation. And he said, I have about 10 free and clear rental properties. And my, my second friend has 15 free and clear rental properties. And our third friend is a pretty big player. This guy's got about 1,000 rental properties, and they're all leveraged. And so we decided to go over to Europe for two weeks and we go over and we spend two weeks over there and we bring our wives. He said, man, it was the most fun we've ever had in two weeks. I mean, we had a blast, you know, we were over there having a ball. And at the two end of two weeks, we all sat down and we're like, man, we're having so much fun. And he thought, I would love to stay another two weeks. So he says, I, I approached my two buddies with this and I said, you know, I mean, I've got these 10 free and clear rental properties. They're pretty much filled and I, I could stay another two weeks. 
and he looked at his second buddy and he said, what do you think? Can you do it? And his second buddy with 15 free and clear rental properties says, yeah, man, let's stay another two weeks. You know, we'll just change our flight plans. We'll go home. We'll stay a full month instead. And they look at the third guy and the third guy with a thousand rental properties all leveraged. He says, I can't stay, guys. I got to get back home and get to work. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and this came as a result of me saying to Steve, you know, I really want to build this huge real estate empire and I really want to be the biggest and the baddest investor here in St. Louis and I want to do more deals than anybody else. And he looked at me and he goes, really? And he told me that story and he goes, let me ask you a question. Which of these people would you most rather be like? And I thought, man, maybe I don't want a thousand pro You know, maybe that sounds really good to stroke my ego, but maybe that's not really what I want. Maybe what I really want is enough income to make my life free. So let me share one quick other story, and then I'll get into the exactly how we, we do this. So I was asked a second question one time, and that is, you know, play make-believe with me for just a quick second. If a magic genie was to come to you tomorrow, this person asked me, and if the magic genie was to pop out of the little magic lamp and say, Sean, I'm going to give you a gift that no one's ever given you before, would you take it? And here's the gift. And you guys think about this listening too. Would you take a gift if the genie popped out and said, I'm going to give you $5,000 in cash right now, and you can spend this five grand on whatever you want. Matter of fact, there's only really two rules to this. Number one, you have to blow the entire five grand on just fun stuff that is just part of living life and having a really good time. That's number one. The second criteria is you have to spend all of it within 30 days. And if you meet those two criteria where you just blow it all on having fun and in 30 days you are gotten rid of every single dollar that way, then I'll come back 30 days from now and I'll give you another $5,000. And if you do it again next month, I'll come back the following month and I'll come back every month I'm going to give you five grand every single month as long as you continue to blow it on fun stuff and live in life and as long as you don't have any money left at the end of every month. Do you think you can live a pretty phenomenal life with that kind of a, an offer made to you? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll ask this usually in a room full of people when I speak, and, and I say, does anybody think you can't live a phenomenal life with this gift? And no one raises their hand. You know, Everybody says, yeah, I can do it. And so then I'll say, well, listen, you know, you just basically told me that if you were completely debt free and made 60 grand a year, you could live a phenomenal life. And people usually look at me like, what? I mean, that's not that much money. I mean, when it comes down to real estate investing, when we do one of our flip transactions, our average profit on that's about 28 grand a pop. So really that's saying I only need to really flip two houses per year or maybe have six rental properties or so, maybe seven, bringing in about $1,000 a month. That's not that much. But we all go into this thinking that we have to do more, 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 and that more is always better. I'm here to tell you more is not always better. Doing maybe a little bit less of the quality deals and not using leverage is a whole lot easier. It makes life a whole lot easier. It certainly opens you up to a whole lot more freedom than the third guy who had a thousand rental properties with leverage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now we've got some uh, questions coming in now from listeners uh, who are going to askvena.com. That's a s k v e n a dot com and filling in the uh, uh, response form there. Uh, you all can also call us at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight from anywhere in the United States, toll free. And um, ask uh, ask Sean directly any questions that you have. Now, Sean, the question, though, again, is 
without mortgages, how do I buy houses? Without mortgages, how do I maintain the rentals I have? Good question. Well, I'm going to talk about, rather than getting into how to maintain the ones you have, let me tell you a strategy on how to get them, and then hopefully this will resonate where you can start to think of ideas on how you can do uh, this with what you've already got. So there's one key ingredient to be able to do what I'm about to share, and that is you must be a master purchaser. You must understand how to get a good deal. And I'm going to share some numbers with you. Some of the people that are listening are going to think that these numbers are unrealistic, and I'm here to tell you right now they are very realistic. I've got students all over the country that are doing numbers like this now. But keep in mind, the numbers that I share, they're, I'm using round numbers to get you to understand how the concept works. So keep in mind that your numbers may differ, but remember the percentages. So here's how this works. Rather than going out and giving leverage and purchasing a property with the bank, I uh, started thinking about this about two years ago, and I started sharing this with my students, and they have since gone out and been doing this and have proven that it works. So what they've done is they've gone out, and rather than getting a bank to borrow money from, they go find a money partner that has uh, some money in either a self-directed IRA or just some cash. Maybe they're not happy with how the stock market is doing, or maybe they're not happy with how any of their other investment portfolio is doing right now. And... I'm going to go in and basically show this investor how they can earn somewhere in the neighborhood of a 12 to 14% return on their investment very safely using real estate. Now, there's details on how to get that done, but just for right now, understand that this involves bringing in a money partner. Because I'm going to assume for right now, let's just pretend I don't have a dollar to do this with, and uh, you know, I already said that I don't want to have to sit here and raise millions of dollars to buy my free and clear rental portfolio. So I find a partner. Now, I go out, and I, since I am a master deal finder, um, and that is one of the key ingredients to making this work, I'm going to go out and find a property that I can put under contract right now. And right now, where I live in St. Louis, I can find a house that will rent. This is where people don't believe me. I can find properties right now that will rent for around $1,000 a month, and I can be all into that property for between thirty and $35,000. So... That's a pretty good return. Like, even if I got a loan on that, obviously my payment would be pretty small on thirty grand, and bringing in a thousand dollars a month, there would there would definitely be profit margin there every month. But the key to making this work is to be free, and so we want to be free to where we don't have to serve the lender. Instead, I would rather be a partner in the partnership. So the partner comes to the table and puts up the let's just say thirty grand, just use round numbers. The partner puts up the entire purchase price and renovations. And remember, I'm into this property as a rental for a total of 30 or 35 grand. So my partner comes in and he puts up the 30 or 35 grand and acts as a silent partner because their part of the partnership is to put up the money. My part of the partnership is to find the deal, get it looking nice enough to rent out, and find a tenant, and then also manage the property. Mm-hmm. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to go purchase this property with the private investor's money. The private investor is going to sit back and collect half of the rent check that comes in every single month. I get to keep the other half. Now, before we split any money, we're going to take right off the top, we're going to take off 30% for expenses. So stay with me for a second. The investor has now put up, let's say, thirty grand, and the property is bringing in $1,000 a month. We're going to take 30% of that $1,000 a month right off the top, and we're going to set it aside into a rainy day account. And by the way, that 30% number, uh, we're using that for expenses, and that number may vary a little bit depending on where you live because that's going to go towards 
property insurance and property taxes, and also setting money aside for when the tenant moves out. You got to replace paint and carpet and things like that. So so far, of all the uh, investors that I've spoken to, 30% is a good round number. Some people say, "No, Sean, that's too much. I can get mine all done for 25%." Some people say, "No, my expenses are more like 35%." But I use 30% as a good round number, so we start there. So $300 per month of the incoming rent goes off into this side account, and that's where it just kind of stays put. It pays the expenses, and it also uh, gets saved for a rainy day when we need uh, money for expenses. So that leaves $700 a month left every single month that the property is rented, of which we split that. 50% of it goes to me for doing the property management and for finding the deal. And I am now a 50% partner in this deal. And then the funding person is also a 50% partner in this deal. So they get half of the $700 monthly income as well. So basically there's $350 a month that comes to me and $350 a month that goes to my investor. Now, assuming that the property stays rented, um, that ends up being about a 40%, I'm sorry, 14% annualized return to the investor. And I've already figured out a 30% rate of, uh, of sort of set-aside money for when the property does go vacant. But here's why this works. And by the way, is 14% a pretty good return for an investor? Most investors are happy getting anywhere near that right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly they're not getting that in the stock market. So it ends up being a great deal for the investor. Now, here's why it's a good deal for both of us. Because now, if a property, let's say, let's say a tenant moves in and three months later they don't pay their rent. I know, crazy. You've never heard of this <laughs> happening before. <laughs> well, let's just say that it happens. Uh, well, then what happens is I'm not stuck making a payment on that property to the investor when it goes vacant. Now, when the property goes vacant, we, we get the property re-renovated with the money sitting in our, in our holding account. We get another tenant in there. But we don't sit here and just put the first person who can fog a mirror into the property. We really screen them, and we really wait, and we get the right tenant in there that's going to hopefully stay longer than the last one did and get a good quality tenant. And what that does is the reason it's so important to use an investor with cash is because now the worst-case scenario is it just reduces the investor's return on their investment a little bit of a percentage rather than costing us money every month to have to pay the lender. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And while the questions are just flowing in here, we need to take a quick break before we start answering them. If you have a question that you'd like to get to the head of line, give us a call at 877-772-9658. Otherwise, you can send us an email by going to askvina.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Sean McCluskey, and we are discussing debt-free investing, which, as it turns out, involves getting folks with cash who don't know how to or care to find and fix up and manage the properties to provide the cash so that you can do that and then splitting all the good stuff with them. This is not, as a couple of uh, folks have asked already, a a mortgage. This is not, you know, yeah, they're providing the money, but no, there's no payment do on that money each month. So as Sean just said, there are there's uh there's no payments in the months when your property is vacant. I mean yeah sure you got your taxes and insurance still, but not that mortgage payment that has you out there trimming up the bushes on Sunday afternoon instead of saying 
home with your family. Uh, now, Sean, a, a couple of questions about the, the deal that you outlined. Uh, and we'll, we'll, again, we'll use St. Louis numbers because uh, they, they don't sound surprising in Cincinnati. Uh, this property that, that this investor has put up thirty to $35,000 to buy and renovate, what is that property actually worth once it's purchased and renovated? Well, right now we're usually buying properties for about fifty cents on the after repaired value dollar. So if I'm buying something for thirty grand, I'm going to assume it's worth sixty. Okay. So does the uh, equity partner also split split with you that thirty thousand dollars in equity? Well, here's where the beauty of this comes in, and here's where you can actually own the free and clear rental portfolio eventually on your own. Um, think of it like this: I have a I have a three and a half year old son who had a birthday recently. And my three-and-a-half-year-old son, Lucas, um, the, the day after the birthday event, there's one piece of cake left, and it's a good sizable piece of cake, right? And so my son and his cousin both want the piece of cake. Well, you know, we can split it in half, but then they're going to fight over who gets the bigger piece. So I hand my son the knife, a little plastic knife, by the way. It's not a, not a full-blown <laughs> knife. I hand him the plastic knife, and I say, okay, Lucas, you get to cut the, the cake in half, and then your cousin Anthony gets to pick out the piece that he wants. So now Lucas is really making sure he cuts that piece of cake right down the center. <laughs> he doesn't want Anthony to get any more cake. So we're going to kind of do the same thing here with our, with our portfolio. So, And again, I'm using round numbers here, but imagine you, you have done this strategy now. Uh, let's say you've done this with an investor now 20 times. And again, just understand the concept here. You may not do this with the same investor 20 times, but understand the concept. Let's say you've done this with the, the investor 20 times, and now at the end of it all, you now have you are now partners on 20 properties that you uh, actually own at 50 cents on the dollar. So what you could do is say, uh, okay, Mr. Investor that uh, has put up the money for this, here's how we're going to do this. I have gone out and done these properties. There's 20 of them. You pick the very best 10 that you want to keep. Uh, pick, I don't care, pick the, whichever 10 you want. You're going to keep those 10, and for your buyout of my partnership, basically I'm going to get 10 of these free and clear, and now you're going to own the other 10. So they still end up getting the same return on their investment, which is going to be around 14%, because now they have half the amount of properties, but now they don't have a partner to pay. So their return on their investment stays the same, and I just picked up 10 completely free and clear rental pro- properties over the course of 12, maybe 24 months, depending on how aggressive I'm going to be. Hmm. That's very interesting. Uh, and uh, uh, these partners who started out as uh, sort of hands-off, you know, I'm not in real estate, but I sure like the returns kind of people, then end up owning and managing rental properties? Well, they could. You could set them up with a, a management company to do it, or you could continue managing those other 10 properties for them for a small fee if you wanted to. There's a number of different ways that you could handle that. The key is finding the right people that want to invest in the beginning in the first place. And so if that's going to be my goal, you know, I could do this one of two ways. I could either just continuing partnering uh, with that investor forever if I wanted to, or if I wanted to do the 10 free and clear on my own route, I could let the investor know right up front that my goal is to get to 20 of these, and then my goal is to hand you half of them, and you pick the half. As long as that person knows what they're getting into in the beginning, then uh, you wouldn't have a, a challenge, obviously, if, they're, they, if that is a goal of theirs as well, too. You run into a challenge where you don't communicate what your goals are right up front and have everybody on the same board. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a number of ways you could tackle it, but that would be a couple of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you, you mentioned the, um, the the sort of value to rent ratio that you're dealing uh-huh. with. I assume that it would work with most value to rent ratios. It just might affect how much equity the equity partner was getting versus how much cash flow because you know there's markets that are much more expensive than yours and mine there are markets Correct. there are markets where the rents versus the uh, property values even if you're paying 50 cents on the dollar aren't going That's to correct. aren't going yeah. to generate yeah. aren't going to generate yeah. what's what's basically a 28% return cuz you get 14 you know you're getting you're getting infinite but if the investor's sure, getting 14 sure. you're getting you're getting the same amount uh, but in a pro- in a market where uh, you know the same property that you're saying would cost thirty would cost a hundred, and yeah. it's only going to rent for fifteen hundred a month, but it's worth two hundred. That's right. Then 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 what the partner is getting is a whole lot more equity on a on a just you know sheer numbers basis and less cash flow. So that's right. You know anyone who's listening and is thinking, wow, I should try this, and and you should be trying it. Just get out an Excel spreadsheet. Work it, out, it. work it out for your market. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not higher mathematics here. Uh, bunches of questions coming in from listeners. Where do I even start? Um, <laughs> and some, some of them, some of them are fairly sophisticated questions here. Let's you see. You know, while you're taking a second to read through those real quick, I'll share one more thing. I mean, I, I had a, a very good friend of mine named Alan. Alan does have 1,100 rental properties. And by all means, I've always looked at him as a success, although the guy works seven days a week. He very rarely takes days off. And he's, you know, up until I really figured out what success meant to me, I really thought he was one of my most successful friends. But when I see how trapped he is inside of his own business, I changed my tune. Alan changed his his property manager over last year, and he just happened to pick the wrong property manager. Well, his vacancy rate on 1,100 homes went up to 30% over the course of just a few months. So once you think about that for a second, that's 330 houses that he's making payments on every single month that there's no income on. Jeez. 330 payments that he has to make, 330 grasses that have to be cut in the summer, you're, you're, 330 uh, in, you know, uh, tax payments that have to be made, interest payments. Uh, insurance, all of these things. And, and not only that, when the people moved out, now he's got 330 different sets of paint and carpet to do before he gets new tenants in there. Now, a lot of people, when I share that story, they go, well, okay, that's, you know, that's his fault. He should have never got to 30%. Listen, you know, that wasn't his intention. One bad thing happened and got him into the position that he was in. And then other people say, well, wait a second, you know, I don't, I don't even have a goal to have 1,100. I just want to have 10 or 20 and leverage doesn't bother me. Use the same percentages. If you had 20 rental properties and you had a 30% vacancy rate because of something that was outside of your control, you still end up taking the profits from the other 17 just to pay for the debt service on the three or four or six that are vacant at the time. And so my, my encouragement to you is don't go there in the first place. There's plenty of other ways to do it without incurring the debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you gave me the willies just, just, just talking about that. <laughs> um, okay, here... <laughs> Here is a question because I, you know, I've had those months that that every real estate investor has had, where yeah. for 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 you know some inexplicable reason you have, you know, more vacancies than usual, and you've got three tenants who who it's the tenth of the month and they haven't paid right, and and, and you're sitting there, 
juggling trying to figure out which bank's going to get paid on time and which one isn't. You're looking at your mortgages saying, which one has the highest late fee? Which one's least likely to report to the to the credit yep. service? You know, it it uh <laughs> Yeah, we've we've all had those months and and to not have And them. there is never a more stressful moment in life than when you're feeling that. When you're and especially, I mean if you're somebody who has integrity, that is a huge amount of stress. If you don't have integrity and you don't care about ever paying your bills on time, well, then it might not be stressful for you. <laughs> but if you have integrity and you care about doing what you said you were going to do, which when you signed the mortgage, you said you would pay on time every month, then if you have integrity, then that is a very stressful time. I've been there, too. I've laid awake at night sitting here wondering how I'm going to get the next uh, set of payments to go in, and I've done that only when something happened that I, I didn't really foresee happening. And that's not uh, me being irresponsible. That's just, you know, sometimes in life things come up that we didn't plan for. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, just don't go there in the first place, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Quick uh, quick question from a listener, and then we'll take a break. Uh, and this is, this is, you know, this is sort of uh, mind-expanding. Uh, this is from JC in Las Vegas. He says, if you can get equity by buying real estate, which is more precious than debt, shouldn't you be utilizing that equity by borrowing against it f- f- uh, for items that are more difficult to borrow for, so, such as down payments, capital improvements, and working capital? Hmm. Well, that's a great question, JC. And again, I am not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. Here's what I'll tell you. I will tell you that I've done that same exact thing, too. And a matter of fact, well, I'll share one quick story with you, JC, and I know we've got to take a break. I had a, a, a student of mine just this last week he was relying on an open line of credit that he used um, to basically fund his renovation, his, his rehab business. And the banks came and he had two open lines of credit. The banks both came in about three weeks ago and they completely shut his lines of credit off. And so he was relying on debt to run his business. And as a result of that, the minute they shut his lines of credit off, he has eight different renovations right now that he can't afford to finish. And so we're getting ready to do short sales on all eight of those properties. Now, his story to me was the same as I hear all the time from a bunch of different investors, and that is, man, Sean, I was just fine until, and then fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. I was just fine until the bank shut down my line of credit, or, man, I was just fine until my wife got sick and I had to take care of her for a few months. Mm -hmm. And so that's what everybody always says. and, And since I did short sales for so many years, I've heard that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Sean, I was just fine until. Yeah, I was in the car so, accident. I couldn't. I couldn't work for two months. Or my 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 lead contractor was in a car accident. It took me three weeks yeah. to find another one. Yeah, there's a, a, absolutely. I mean, there's the the the. the Everyone thinks that something like that's only going to happen if lightning strikes, and the fact is it happens for all different kinds of reasons. So a uh, quick break. Uh, going to invite listeners to ask any final questions by going to askvena.com and filling out their response form. That's A-S-K-V-E-N-A. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vena Jones-Cox. My guest today is Sean McCluskey one of the 17 knowledgeable, sophisticated, wise experts at the 2011 National New Strategies Summit coming up in Columbus, Ohio on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. 
get your place. Go to wmkvfm.org and get more information about all our other great experts and register. Uh, Sean, I can tell you the whole rest of the show is going to be, be devoted to listener questions because I'm sitting here looking great. at six of them right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, here is this is this is Adrian who's from Colorado. Uh, she, I assume it's a she, uh, is confused about your example of trading the. Tra- you had you had a, a theoretical single investor who you'd done twenty deals with, and again that was mm-hmm. that was for the, the the purpose of ease to not you know give an example of twenty different investors. And sure. uh, she says each one of them, uh, the investor is invested in each property for 50% of the value. If you then give them 10 and you keep 10, are they not invested in their 10 at 100% of the value? Well, sort of. If you look at it that way, what I, the way that, it, that we present it to the investors is, yeah, they technically are into it for 100% of the value, but they're into, uh, they're they're basically buying a, complete business. They're buying a business that has tenants already built into them. It's already cash flowing. It's already got tenants that have been in for a year or two years. And, you know, they're buying turnkey rentals. Oh, those are, well, <laughs> those yeah, are called turnkey rentals. They're, they're, people sell yeah, them for hundred percent of value I all the time. Say they're buying it at hundred percent of the value. What they're doing is they've basically acquired themselves a, a full free and clear rental portfolio as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, technically, yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a question from uh, someone who is apparently one of those folks who maybe has the money to do this kind of thing, but has, in other words, he would be a passive partner. Uh, this one is, is from Brent in Covington. Uh, he says, uh, why should I keep my money invested in an equity partnership for more than a few years, why wouldn't I earn a better return with lower liability by offering to finance deals that are being resold or refied within two years and then collecting new points and a spread on another deal? You could. If he's asking a question from an investor point of view, if that's his investment strategy, he could. That's certainly more active of an investment strategy than going into something that you kind of invest in once and then you're sort of done with. Um, I mean, there. My gosh, we could sit here and talk about different <laughs> investment strategies all across the board. I think it's a great question, and this is coming from an investor who doesn't mind being a little bit more savvy in their investments. But the average person that has thirty grand in their self-directed IRA, or, or thirty grand even in any of their retirement accounts, that's not earning them a significant return. Let's say through the stock market, isn't going to go out there and be an active investor in today's market, investing in flips or investing in doing owner financing and things like that. So. The person that asked this question, I would imagine, is a real estate investor. They think like a real estate investor. Well, I think that's a good thing. I think really what they have is a is a lender mentality uh, because you know the way the way a lot of hard money lenders make money is they they cycle their own resources through different investment deals because they're collecting points and so on. But you know, Brent, the the one thing that the or let, let me say um, let me say two words to you that that might make a difference: um, tax breaks which you don't get by being a private lender, but you do get by being owner of a piece of rental property, you know, assuming that your your own income and situation allows that. Uh, tax breaks are very important to some people. And uh, here's another thing, Brent. Um, at the beginning of your $30,000 loan, it's worth $30,000. Two years later, if it's amortizing, it's probably worth twenty seven. At the beginning of your $30,000 investment, 
in in one of these properties, it's worth thirty thousand dollars, and ten years later, it's worth forty or fifty. <laughs> so there's, it's you know, it's it's what what as the person doing the financing, are you looking for the more you called it less risk, but you know, it's more active thing to have to go out and find the next deal to put your money in and to analyze it and make sure you'd want to take it back because that of course is a risk and uh collect your points which is you know that's that's where a lot of the profit in these hard money loans comes from or are you looking for something that's sort of turnkey and you can just sit there and and let it grow and 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 make money it's a it's really uh it's really a very different strategy you know one yeah is, and there's really not a right or wrong answer to that i mean if your strategy is to quick turn your money faster than that and I mean, if, if, for example, I mean, Tina mentioned hard money lending before. If somebody wants to be an active hard money lender, could they earn more than 14% a year? Yeah, they could probably earn a lot more than that as a hard money lender. But it's a different game. And so depending on what the investor strategy is, I mean, this is a game that for a lot of investors who wish to remain totally passive and who aren't active real estate investors, it makes a lot of sense to them because they can sit back and watch their money grow or their self-directed IRA grow, and they don't have to have a whole lot of involvement in it. So if that wasn't the investor strategy and they say, why should I invest in this when I can invest in something else that has higher returns? I wouldn't say they should. It might not be for this particular type of person, uh-huh. but it is for a lot of people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, question from Robert in Hudson, Ohio. How are these properties titled once they are owned by these partnerships? Who, who actually, quote, owns them? Oh, that's a good question. Well, here's the beauty of partnerships. There are no rules. You can set it up <laughs> however you like. So Vina just mentioned tax breaks to the investor. So if the investor would like tax breaks and would like to own the property in their own company name or even in their own personal name if they wanted to, they certainly could. Uh, We would have a separate agreement drawn up showing that uh, I had a percentage of interest in the property. Um, That's very simple to do. Or there's a number of ways we could do it. We We could take title to the property in trust, in which we were both 50% owners of the trust, uh, we could take ownership in one LLC or another entity that we both have ownership interests. So there's tons of different ways to do that. That's one of the things I encourage people is, and although that's a really good question, that's one of the details that usually stops people from moving forward with it. Mm-hmm. When I came up, uh, myself and my partner Steve sort of started coming up with this idea two years ago and started sharing it with some of our coaching students. It was the coaching students who figured that stuff out as they went that went out and started <laughs> implementing it and proved it to work. They proved it to work before I even did anything with it. It was just an idea I shared. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, we got guys out there doing it, and, and I'm saying, well, wait, didn't you think through how you want to take ownership? And they go, no, we'll figure that out as we go. Once we understood the concept of it, we were like, <laughs> let's roll with it. So I just want to encourage you not to get too tied up in the details. Those can be negotiated, they can be figured out, whatever works for you and whatever works for the investor is going to be the right way to do it. And Robert, also, uh, I'm certain, because I know you're a longtime listener of Real Life Real Estate, that you're going to be at the 2011 National New Strategy Summit in Columbus, and uh, one of the other experts there is John Heyer. And oh, yeah. he's doing, he's not only doing an entire session on on different entities and how to use them, but he's also doing question and answer sessions at lunchtime that are just open Q and A sessions. So if you go see, if you if you go see Sean, and then uh, you say, "Wow, I really want to know how I would set this up in Ohio, given my situation," go ask John. 
Oh yeah. yeah, and John is the expert at all all the the IRA things that we mentioned. Man, John knows that inside and out. I know John very well. He is a brilliant guy. Yes. So yes. you've got to come and take advantage of that free time with him. You, you ain't gonna get that anywhere else. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, we are we are unfortunately out of time. Uh, thank you so much for your expertise today, Sean. Look forward to seeing you on November third, fourth, fifth, and sixth in Columbus, Ohio, along with all of our listeners. Go to wmkvfm.org to pledge to get your seats at the 2011 National New Strategy Summit. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. 